Well, welcome back to the master's class. My name's Ethan, one of the pastors here, and I'm so glad you're joining us as we learn lessons from Jesus, our Lord and master. We're talking in this whole series about the invitation Jesus gives us. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me so that you will find rest to your souls. In the first week, we took a look at this yoke and we reminded ourselves that to be yoked up with Jesus means that we've kind of got our, we've got our head in the bar and he's there with us, teaching us how to live and how to serve and how to walk and how to, how to pray and how to do all the things that, that we want to do in this life. And he's there, he's there yoked in with us, teaching us how to live, pulling us forward when we're weak, holding us back when we want to run off on our own. And then last week, in the second week of master class, we noticed that if we're yoked up with Jesus, that means we're also yoked up with all the other people who are yoked up with Jesus. In fact, for some of us, one of the hardest things about really being part of the master class isn't just the master, but the fellow students. Uh, Adam gave a great message about the challenge it is uh, in this season especially to stay yoked up all together, all yoked up with Jesus. There's so much that we can find to disagree about. We disagree about the election or the virus or school. Should they open or should they close or should it be a hybrid or sport? Should we have them or should we not? Are people allowed to watch? And everybody's got an opinion and we're, none of us are quite sure we're right, but everybody kind of acts like they're sure they're right. And wow, in that context, you can see how it'd be easy to divide. But what we saw last week is if we're going to be part of the master's class, we've got to stay committed to our fellow classmates. So that's our situation. We're yoked up with each other, and all of us together are yoked up to Jesus. So what do you say we learn something from him? Today we're going to look at one of Jesus' most important teachings— and if you're right now discouraged or beat down or kind of weary of this moment of life, this is a teaching that is going to bless you and help you. It's a teaching that actually the disciples specifically asked Jesus to teach them. Luke 11 tells us the story. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, see the disciples have been watching Jesus over there praying. And as soon as he finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. They saw something about Jesus' life and they're like, I want that too. And that's exactly what happens when we're yoked up with Jesus. The young ox looks over at the older ox and says, man, teach me how to do what you're doing. And they were yoked in with Jesus, sharing life with him. And because they were yoked in with him, they saw something in him that they wanted. And they said, would you teach us how to pray like you do? But before we talk about what Jesus taught them about prayer, I want to talk just a little bit about breathing. I know we got some families worshiping together. We got some kids with us today. So kids, dial in with me here. This is for everybody, but you want to make sure you do this too, okay? This little exercise is for if you're 5, 55, or 105. Play along with me right now. Everybody, take a big breath. And then out. And then in. And then out. Normally, we don't even think about breathing, right? It just happens so naturally. I've been thinking a lot about my breathing lately. 
I bruised a rib falling off a ladder. In fact, I bruised five ribs falling off a ladder uh, a few, a couple, about 10 days ago. And believe me, I have been noticing every breath ever since then, especially when I take a big breath like that. Most of us don't think of having to learn how to breathe. It's so natural to our life uh, that we just do it. At some level, breath is just an instinct. But what you discover is that lots of people do need to learn how to breathe. Singers learn how to breathe. Runners learn how to breathe. Musicians learn how to breathe. Swimmers and deep sea divers learn how to breathe. Uh, because learning how to breathe better supports increased performance in all these other areas. Breathing, the very thing that we learn to excel, is also the very thing we can't live without. Go ahead, take another breath. My guess is you took about 10 or 15 breaths in between there, didn't you? It's not like that was the last time you'd breathed. You can, of course, live for a little while without breathing. We call that holding your breath, right? Everybody, try that with me right now. Really, whoever you are, let's, let's all do it together. Ready? Can you feel the tension build? Your chest starts to tight. Your cheeks start to puff out. And if you hold your breath long enough, your body just starts to shout silently, give me air. Now, of course, you can train to hold your breath longer and longer. According to Google, the current world record holder can hold his breath for 24 minutes. That's crazy long. That's longer than this sermon is going to be. Don't try that. If you tried to hold your breath for the rest of this sermon, I'm sure most of you would pass out. Because eventually, even if you're a world record holder who can hold your breath for 24 minutes, eventually all of us need to breathe. Breathe with me again. In. Out. I mention all this about breath about how necessary it is, about how sometimes we don't even notice it, about how we need to train and get better at it, how you can hold your breath, but not for long. I mentioned all this about breath before we learn about prayer, because I want to make this connection that was once made for me and has helped me so much in my life of trying to stay yoked up with Jesus. And that's this image, that the role of breathing in your physical life is matched by the role of praying in your spiritual life. What breathing is to our physical bodies, prayer is to our spiritual lives. For starters, they're both instincts. You hold your breath long enough, you'll just instinctually gasp for air. And in the same way, in moments of crisis and fear and terror, we instinctively cry out to God. Maybe we haven't prayed in years, but in those moments, our instinct, God, help me. God, save me. God, forgive me. God, rescue me. Uh, secondly, even though they're both instincts, for maximum effectiveness, both prayer and breathing need to be learned. Singers and swimmers and divers train how to breathe. And those who want to be strong in their spiritual lives should train how to pray, should learn how to pray. That's why the disciples went to Jesus. They saw something in Jesus that he knew how to do something better than them. And they said, would you teach us? A third thing that's true about 
prayer and breathing and their relationship to our physical and spiritual lives is that they both need to keep happening. Paul writes, pray without ceasing. In the same way the doctor might say, breathe without ceasing. Keep breathing. For our spiritual lives, we need to learn how to make prayer a part of our posture in every moment of every day. Because the fourth thing that prayer and breathing have in common is this. If you avoid either one for too long, you will pass out. Sure, you can hold your breath for a little while, but then you will be gasping for air, for it is essential to life. And in the same way, you can put off prayer for a little while. Some of us go long seasons of our lives where prayer just isn't present there. But soon, you may not even notice it. You'll be gasping for God. And the lack of God will start to show up in every area of your life because you have ignored prayer. You put off prayer for too long, a person can pass out spiritually from a lack of prayer. The last thing breathing and praying have in common is this. If you aren't breathing or praying, your health is in danger. Feel the breath again. In with me. Out. Do it again one more time. In. Out. If you aren't breathing, your physical health is in danger. And what I want you to hear right now before we go learn from Jesus, because some of you need to hear this warning right now, is that if you aren't praying, your spiritual health is in danger. A life without prayer is just as dangerous to the spiritual life as a life without breathing is to the physical life. What the disciples saw, because they were living yoked up to Jesus, they were living, staying in step with Jesus, just like he invites you to live, what they saw was the spiritual health of Jesus, and they knew it was rooted in his practice of prayer. The Bible describes Jesus' prayer practice all over the Gospels. It says things like, early in the morning, he got up to prayer. In the afternoon, he went to prayer. Late in the evening, he paused to prayer. Before a big sermon, he would pray. Before he would move to a new city, he would pray. After a big sermon or after a miracle or after some sort of a healing event, he would stop and pray. All the time, Jesus was pulling away to pray, the Bible tells us. And the disciples saw his spiritual health and they saw his practice of prayer. They witnessed all this because they were yoked up with him. And so eventually they come and say, okay, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Here's what happens in Luke chapter 11. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Other Gospels record slightly different versions of this, and in some places we have the added conclusion, which we have remembered as the Lord's Prayer, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. 
One quick side note, sometimes people get troubled by the fact that the Lord's Prayer isn't the same every time it shows up in different Gospels and in other ancient Christian texts. Uh, but I'll be honest, this doesn't worry me. It just demonstrates the fact that Jesus taught people how to pray a lot. This is what normal teachers do, right? They explain the same concept to lots of different student, students using basically the same words, but it doesn't have to be exactly the same word for word. Uh, the fact that we have subtly different versions of the Lord's Prayer in Matthew and Luke, for instance, to me just proves the genuineness that these were recordings of specific teaching events where Jesus taught first his disciples after they asked, and then in other contexts the crowds, how to pray. The same concepts, even though not word for word. And why would Jesus teach about prayer again and again in small groups and big crowds with individuals and thousands? Well, because it was that important to his spiritual life. Like we've said, what breathing is for the body, prayer is for the spiritual life. Take another breath with me. In. Out. Now, if we were to keep reading in the Gospel of Luke, we would learn more about prayer. Jesus goes on to teach his disciples that it's important to persist in prayer. Do not give up. Stick with your prayers. Jesus teaches that God is a good father who longs to bless us through answered prayer. But right now, I just want to focus on what we can learn through the simple model prayer Jesus gives them. I want you to learn just four little sub-prayers that could be the rhythm of your spiritual breathing. Here's what he says in Luke chapter 11. When you pray, say, Father, holy is your name. Jesus is teaching us that our prayers should start by giving glory to God. Maybe this week, whenever you notice your own breath, you would just, when you breathe, just give glory to God. God, you are holy. God, you are awesome. God, you have loved me. Jesus says that's where your prayer should start, with the simple prayer of giving glory to God. The next thing he teaches us to pray is your kingdom come, or in Matthew, your kingdom come, your will be done. This is a prayer about the plans and purposes of God. I have been praying this prayer so much lately. Uh, you know, everybody I know who's trying to lead any organization in our world, whether it's the school board or the state or the city or the country or a church or a business, is a little confused and unsure of what to do. And so I've just been praying a lot, God, may your will be done. God, may your kingdom come. God, may your plans be established. The third thing he teaches us them to pray and teaches us to pray is give us each day our daily bread. Boy, the lesson of this prayer is so profound. Jesus does not teach us to pray for opulence or wealth or power. On the other hand, Jesus does not teach us that somehow it's selfish to pray that your needs would be met and that God would take care of you. No, he teaches us right down the middle. He says, approach God as a loving father. Ask God for what you need. Ask God to take care of you. 
You can just let this be part of your breathing, right? The next time you see your breath, God, give me a good big breath. And God, give me food. God, give me work. Give me a way to figure out how to go to school, whether it's online or in person. What is it you need today? I would just urge you, just here's my just spiritual advice for you. When you pray for your needs, be as specific as Jesus teaches you right here. I got to pray with a friend recently who was nervous about a project that was coming up. And as, as I prayed with them, it, it was just clear to me that I didn't, need, I didn't want to just pray generally, God, let your will be done. Although that's a great prayer. Jesus teaches that prayer. I wanted to pray specifically for, for the need that they were experiencing. And so we prayed together three specific prayers, asking God to do three specific things. And, and a few hours later, they sent me a text back. Every one of your prayers was answered. You could learn to pray that way. It would transform your spiritual life if you got as specific as Jesus teaches you to get right here. The fourth thing he teaches them, he teaches them to pray, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. This is another prayer about God's will, but now it's been personalized, hasn't it? Not just, God, may your will be done in the world or this situation, may your kingdom come on earth, but God, now in my life, forgive me where I have wandered away. And again, it's just like breathing. I, I, I don't know how, I really don't know how a person can stay spiritually connected with God and not need to pray this prayer every day. Maybe much more often than that. So that's the first lesson we have from the Master. It's just that simple. If we're yoked up with Jesus, trying to learn his rhythm for our lives, we'll have to learn his rhythm of prayer. Our prayer will be intentional, like Jesus taught us, and it will be constant, sort of like breathing. And sure, you can hold your breath for a while. Let's do it again. <gasps> But soon, if you hold your breath too long, you are weak and gasping. And that weakness, that gasping need, that's what happens to our spiritual life if we take a break from prayer. Our spiritual life becomes weak and gasping. And so our natural life takes over. If you feel like you've been living recently with a weakened spiritual life and having to be live in your own strength and your own power and your own wisdom, I would just, I'd want to ask you, are you praying? Are you praying as often as you breathe? With every breath? Holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Give me bread. Forgive my sin. Whenever anyone comes to me in a time of spiritual drought, maybe we're just talking one-on-one, -on -one, I may not just come out and say it, but one of the things I'm trying to figure out is, are they still praying? Because if they're still praying, then I believe God will answer those prayers and the drought will end. But if they aren't praying, I think I've actually found the cause of the drought. And that they're gasping for, for God's presence, but aren't breathing the breath of prayer.
in my life, this isn't just true about other people, this is in my life, when I am in a time of spiritual weakness, feeling like God is distant, clamoring around under my own strength, feeling weakened by my moment, my first question, and it just always is true, that I somewhere stop praying. Things were good, right? I was feeling good. I was, I was all breathed up. I did a big, <gasps> and at first I was fine. I can hold my breath for a while, actually. But then I was gasping, and I didn't even know to breathe. Some of you in this church are powerful and mighty prayer warriors. This sermon may not be very helpful for you. Maybe you can just go back to Luke 11 and see what you can learn straight from Jesus. But for the rest of us, pay attention to Jesus' first lesson on prayer. Take a big breath, and as you breathe out, say with me, God, you are holy. Let's do that right now. God, you are holy. Now take a big breath and say with me, God, may your kingdom come. God, may your kingdom come. Take a big breath and say, God, please take care of me. Big breath. God, please take care of me. And take a big breath and say, God, please forgive me as I forgive others. God, please forgive me as I forgive others. And then as many of us have learned to end this prayer, take a big breath, and then say with me, God, yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Let's breathe. God, yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. This is your first lesson, yoked up with Jesus. This week, every time you notice your own breathing, maybe you yawn, or gasp, or just notice for some reason that you're breathing, would you in that moment stop in prayer? And then would you every day just set aside one moment every day to return to Luke 11 and pray this prayer that Jesus taught you and let it become the beginning of the conversation you need to have with God? Let me pray for you right now. God, even right now, I'm aware of my breath without which I cannot live. God, make me aware of my prayer without which my spiritual life crumbles. I pray for some people here who have been holding their prayers too long and are gasping for you and don't even know it. Would you let them begin to learn how to pray again this week, even as they breathe in and out where they offer to you prayers? I pray for some people who have kind of been shrugging their shoulders this whole time, but, but this is them, God. They need to re-engage you in prayer. I pray for some young people, God, worshiping with their families who have never really learned how to pray. And this could be where they could get started. Maybe this week, God, with every breath, they could just say, God, you're holy. God, your will be done. God, give me what I need. God, forgive my sin. 
pray for those who are strong in prayer, who are leaders in prayer in this church, who are praying for us and praying over us. Thank you, God, for what you have done and to strengthen their spirit by your spirit. And I pray, God, for all of us who are trying to live the yoked up life, who are trying to learn from you and find rest for our souls that we could start this week with prayer. And so we pray together as you taught us. Our Father, who is in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation. And deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.